Hi there, and a warm welcome to the Radio Times podcast with me, Jane Garvey, and top TV critic, Rihanna Dillon. She asked me to say top. Uh, if it was left up to me, I'd just say TV critic, Rihanna Dillon. I would ask for a, a much better adjective than top. Oh, what would you choose? Fabulous. Okay, well, gosh, modesty is not her strong suit, (laughs) but she does know about telly. The Radio Times podcast is the place to come if you want the best advice on what is worth watching uh, on streaming and on terrestrial telly over the next couple of weeks. Now, we've got some goodies this week, as ever, and real variety. We can definitely offer that this week, can't we? We definitely can. We have Snow Angels, which is Channel 4's new Scandi Noir. We've got Turning Red, which is Disney Pixar's new feature-length animation. Inventing Anna, which seems to have gripped the nation on Netflix. And of course, we have Holding, which was initially written by Graham Norton, his debut novel. Yes, it was a book that I didn't read, but did listen to. And I'm a bit of a sucker for an Irish yarn. And I loved listening to the book. And I've loved the telly version as well. Directed by Cathy Burke, who once DM'd me on Twitter. Did she? In fact, I think she's done it twice. I don't want to... I mean, that's as close as I get, really, to that's celebrity so pals. so cool. I think it's quite cool. What did she say? Actually, it was about another book I'd read um, and talked about on the radio and Kathy picked up on it and is now, I think, writing the screenplay for that as well. No. That was a book, I can't remember the name of it now, but it was by a, an author called Michelle Gallen mm-hmm. about a young Irish girl who works in a chip shop. It's a great book and I think Kathy will probably do wonders with that oh, as well. I just love Kathy Burke. She's just... She's just proper. Her, just her attitude to everything, to life, is just so refreshing and no, fun. She's, just, she's a good woman. We'll also talk this week about Top Boy, which is returning to Netflix. Just, to, just in case anybody's confused, Top Boy was originally a Channel 4 show, wasn't it? Yeah, so the first two series were on Channel 4, then they dropped it, They got it got cancelled, Netflix picked it up. You have had, as you often do, a showbiz-strewn week. What have you been up to? Oh, yeah, it's been wild, actually. I've had I had two award ceremonies, both of which I was supposed to go along to just as a guest and ended up presenting awards at both of them because I say, think other people dropped out and oh. so I was the last-minute shoe-in. <laughs> Don't say that. So I was on stage with Lenny Henry at the Visionary Honours Awards uh, at BAFTA, which was really fun, actually. What, what, are they, what are they for? It's about celebrating diversity and social impact in the arts. It was really fun. It was really interesting and moving. Chatted to Heather Smalls about the fact that I couldn't bring any booze into the auditorium, which I was devastated about, obviously. (laughs) I bet. And then um, the following night, I'm often on a podcast called Girls on Film. Yeah. It was like their first award ceremony. So I got up and presented an award for that as well. So Sarah Gavron, um, who was the director of Rocks, was there and the director of Baby Teeth, uh, Shannon Murphy, it just and Sanjeev Bhaskar was there as an ally. It was it was really fun. That I was think, great. Um, Rocks, I think, I, I, I don't think in my lifetime I've seen a film that better represents schoolgirls and friendship. Yeah. Um, I just think that was a brilliant film. Now it's on Netflix. So if you missed all of that, you can just watch it on Netflix. It's on Netflix. I urge anyone who missed out on that to to catch up with it on Netflix. Let's dig into the reviews of the week. And we're starting with Walter Presents Snow Angels. Now, Walter Presents is a series of curated programmes. Oh, I love the word curated. (laughs) It covers Uh, all manners of sins, doesn't it? Some would say it does cover a multitude of (laughs) sins. Uh, Who is Walter? You'll be like, who is Walter? I'm sure you're all asking. I never knew. 
knew Walter was a person. Isn't it wonderful to know that I can tell you who Walter <laughs> is? So you could, this is the sort of thing, you, if you do go to dinner parties, and of course my life is made up almost entirely of dinner parties, <laughs> um, you can just talk to your neighbour about Walter Presents and say, oh, I know who Walter is. Walter is Walter Luzzolino. Now, he is an Italian TV producer, and he his job is actually to curate foreign language shows for American and British television. And in this country, he does it for all four. And he has chosen a show called Snow Angels, which will be available on all four from the 11th of March. And it will be shown, too, on Channel 4 on Sunday, the 13th of March at 11.45. By now, you are longing to hear Walter's voice. And here he is. Two days before Christmas, while Sweden is paralysed by a heavy snowstorm, a five-week-old baby called Lucas inexplicably disappears from his home. When his desperate mother Jenny contacts the police, her partner Sally comes home alone, his hands bloody from the night before. Sally refuses to explain where he has been, but when he learns that Lucas has disappeared, he's just as horrified and panicked as Jenny. It's what happened with me. A major police investigation is launched to find the missing baby. Alice, a seasoned detective, soon begins to suspect the family is hiding something. Hiding something, yes. Um, when have you last watched a show in which somebody is hiding something? <laughs> I'm very grateful, I've got to say to Walter, for just doing my job for me there. I don't need to say anything I about was, this programme now. You can tell why he's so successful, because he really knows his stuff. I've got to say, this is probably not the best time in any of our lives uh, to watch a show as unremittingly bleak as this. Um, We've both uh, written bleak well, in like capital letters in our notes, haven't capital we? Capital B for bleak. <laughs> what it did for me actually was illustrate that you know, often we think of Sweden as a place where everything is good and where the quality of life is about as high as it possibly mm. can be. And what I will say about this is it gives you a different slice of Swedish life, very different. Absolutely. It's much more about the kind of the working classes and the the difficulties that people who live in poverty have in terms of support, I think, whether it's from the government or from their friends and family especially when it comes to child support. So this is kind of about motherhood primarily, even though I suppose technically we see one mother who has lost her baby. Um, but it's also, I guess, about maternal instincts as well, maternal expressions. There's a woman who tries to look after her grown-up, her adult brother, who is who has got mental health issues, who is incredibly violent if he's touched. He will just lash out. Lash out. And he does, yeah. Yes, which is quite shocking to see that a couple of times. And then the police officer, um, Alice, who gets very caught up in the case. And so this this woman who who is supposed to be looking after her brother and then that doesn't end very well, ends up at the end of episode one sort of looking after this pregnant, runaway young girl. And so not really sure how her story interlinks with everything, but no, you know it's going to. We are yet to discover quite how everyone becomes intertwined with everybody else. Yes. It's subtitled, we should say. I wonder whether that bothers people, the Netflix generation. It doesn't bother them, does it? Because my own kids will watch, they'll watch subtitles with everything. Oh, I do. Yeah, I oh, don't. Absolutely can you explain everything. to me why you do that? Um, I do it so I don't miss anything. I grew up in a house, you know, where people kind of do sometimes talk over the TV. Oh, do really? So, <laughs> yeah, I just prefer it because then you catch everything, and there are always moments that you might miss, which you you know the sound mixing might have like dipped, but the subtitles still pick up on, which I always like. Right. I, I just wonder whether all that means that 
there is less of a challenge in watching foreign language shows. That's one of the reasons why they're becoming a lot more popular. Possibly, although, of course, it means that if you're looking at your phone, you miss a hell of a lot if you don't if you can't also listen and hear the language. Yeah, I, I did, my thoughts did stray to my phone, I have to be honest. Yeah. And we must also just acknowledge that is the way television is watched now. Um, <laughs> you've only got half a mind on the job and that's if you're having a good day. I think especially with something like this, which, as you say, is so unrelenting and because there isn't anything, nobody smiles no. once in this because they've got nothing to smile about. Every Everyone is angry. There is so much tension and fear and violence in every single scene. So so even when you you think you're watching a quite easy domestic setting, there is violence. That, what, that what I did quite like, there's a little girl in it who is deaf. And whether or not that plays into the story, I don't know. Mm. But I think that was is, is, is great to have characters who aren't, Sure. Who yes. are disabled. You know, we're finally having a slightly more representation on screen. But yeah, I found this a real slog and it doesn't, there wasn't anything about it that made me think, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next. And mm. I don't know if it's just because it's about a baby that's gone missing, which say, is such a difficult, upsetting thing to think about. Horrendous thing. And the baby is only five, five weeks, weeks old. Still yeah, breastfeeding. Yeah. The mother is... The mother is was under the influence of sleeping pills and... Which her own mother had given her. Yes. I mean, were you into Scandi dramas like The Killing and The Bridge? Was that you? It was, it's never really been me. No. Borg and I did watch. Okay. I don't want to make a cheap joke, but we've recently had in my uh, local area one of those Scandinavian furniture shops open. Oh. And that's... <laughs> That's one the, of those. That's the only, the only one. <laughs> that's been the Scandi thrill of a lifetime for me. I've got to be absolutely honest. That's very good. Did you write that down? Uh, that no, was, no, that was that just was... Um, just off the top of my head. Anyway. So, so basically, I think if you if you are into Scandi thrillers and you've always watched them, this comes at the end of Walter presenting a season of yeah. Scandi thrillers on Channel Four. So, if you've been really involved and engaged in those, then I imagine this will be right up your street. If Scandi thrillers have never really been your thing. I don't think this is going to tip you over the edge and be like, yes, actually, this is the one. Yeah, it, it might be right up your bleak street if that is your thing. Uh, so that is Walter Presents Snow Angels. And if you've learned nothing else this week, you now know who Walter is. So uh, we'll <laughs> let really you That's really helpful, that. actually. I'm yeah. really glad I learned I that today. After all that, then, let us seek sanctuary in Turning Red, which is available from Friday the 11th of March. It's a Disney Pixar film and you can see it on Disney+. Plus. So you sort of know what to expect. Is this one a classic? We'll get Rihanna's verdict after this clip from Turning Red. May May, breakfast is ready. It's coming. It's gonna be me. Is everything okay? I'm a gross red monster! Don't look at me! Stay back! This happened already? What did you say? Our ancestors had a mystical connection with red pandas. Are you kidding me? This little quirk brought us in our family. There's a hint there that this is a kind of Pixar Disney version of Harry Enfield's Kevin the Teenager. <laughs> you know that character who goes upstairs and comes down the next morning. Yeah, Kevin and Perry, another Kathy Burke reference. Exactly, so, yeah. a whole different thing. Um, is it a bit like that? What's it about? 
Well, it's about a little girl entering puberty. So anytime her hormones or emotions start raging, she turns into the sacred animal that her family has worshipped for centuries, which just happens to be a giant red panda. Yeah, red. How significant is that? (laughs) There is quite a lot of period chat in this and some incredibly cringy moments involving the mother. And so she thinks initially that her period started and sends her to school with boxes of tampons spilling out of her bag, all that sort of stuff. And then actually it's about the fact that she's turning into the, the giant red monster. So, yeah, it's kind of on the nose. But I think actually that will go over the heads of quite a lot of men. Do you think it will? That's what I was wondering, because in many ways I want to applaud this because for far, far too long, periods haven't been discussed properly. And definitely not in a Disney film. I mean, you literally see the packets of tampons and sanitary towels, which I was so impressed by. This is, you know, normalising something that teenage girls have for centuries been told to be embarrassed about. So I think that is a really cool thing. Although, of course, in it, she is really embarrassed. Is she? Okay, But then, to be fair, you are. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and it's so awkward and it can be messy and complicated. I bet you've had so many talks about periods on Women's Hour over the years. I am. I did a, I did a documentary for Radio 4 about periods. <laughs> yeah, uh, It's still available. It's called Bleeding Shame. But also there are, it's about female friendships as much as anything and how like ride or die the friends that you make at school are. And the girls in Turning Red are really into a band called Four Town, which there are actually five members, which just makes everyone upset. Uh, But the music is written by Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell. So that's very up to date. This is a kind of a story that we've seen before, but not by... Pixar. So after being the perfect daughter for so long, May's relationship with her mother starts to become really strained and the mum is kind of frightened of losing her. And the mum is is Ming Lee, she's played by Sandra Oh. So fantastic, very funny. Um, And it's directed and co-written by Domi Shi, who also you might have seen Bao, which was a short Pixar film, which did brilliantly well. It won like all the awards and it has a very similar theme of a mother holding on too tightly to her child or her dumpling, her bao bun in this. Um, And she, I think, I believe she is the first ever solo female Disney Pixar director. Which is very telling, isn't it? Yeah. And there are obvious anime influences. Um, Can you give me an example of that? What would I not have noticed? So, for example, like when um, they when they see something cute, their eyes go really huge and stars appear and their eyes almost kind of like shake, fill with tears. They're so excited. And that's a real, you know, you, everyone, anyone who grew up watching any sort of anime on screen will recognise that. Um, and there's a lot of cuteness overload in this. It's a lot of young girls getting very excited by this cute, cuddly panda. Um, it's just it's very, very sweet. And I, I think it's really clever that they are aiming this towards young teenagers. And it's not just stuffed full of in-jokes that are mainly for adults, which sometimes Pixar is quite guilty of doing. Yeah, I, I think I can't bear that aspect of really? their films, actually, if I'm honest. I sometimes love that, but it's really refreshing to have something that isn't. No, and I, it is I, actually for the children it's supposed to be targeting. I'm always really discombobulated by those knowing <laughs> jokes, yes. which I, ugh, I can't, I don't, <laughs> just aim the film at the children. And frankly, when, I mean, when I took my kids to films like that, I just wanted an hour and a half. I'd nod off half yeah. the time. I'm not interested in being entertained by you in the nicest possible way. <laughs> I want you to keep the nippers quiet. I, I'm not wholly convinced that you love this. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Did you? I, you okay. know, I don't think it is a classic in the, in, in, 
that it won't be taken up by adults in the same way, I don't think. But I think for the children that it's aimed at, it'll be wonderful, genuinely. Okay, and will it stop young girls panicking or worrying obsessively about their period starting? I don't know if it'll stop it, but they definitely won't feel so alone. I think they'll realise. Job done then. I think they'll realise yeah. how this is everybody's yeah. problem. Yes, and well, it should be, and there is absolutely no shame attached no. to it. So if it does change a few minds, then that's brilliant, and offers reassurance as well. Then I think that is um, credit to them. Turning red then is available on Disney Plus from Friday, the eleventh of March. Now, a little bit later, we're going to talk about Holding and Top Boy, but now to the show that is absolutely storming it for Netflix at the moment. It's Inventing Anna, the whole series available on the platform now. And here's a clip before we discuss what it's about and how good it is. Her name is Anna Delvey, or Anna Sorokin. No one's sure. She's either a rich German heiress or she's flat broke. The charges are insane. Anna committed real white-collar felonies while posing as a socialite in an attempt to steal millions of dollars. Hi, Anna. I just had some questions. I have a question. What's you wearing? You look poor. And if you tried to impersonate that accent, um, well, good luck, because it's a very, <laughs> very difficult one to pin down. It's really hard. The accent has been the subject of many an article, an online bit of excitement over the last couple of weeks. Well, because so many TikToks about it. So many TikToks, I gather. <laughs> Inventing Anna, there's been a podcast about it. It's So the fake heiress the was fake the heiress, podcast. The fake heiress, that's it, yeah, yeah. And it's the story of a young woman who claims to be something that she most definitely isn't yes. and does end up in deep, deep trouble as a result. Yeah, so she kind of conned and schemed her way around New York pretending to be a millionaire and, yeah, stealing and defrauding <laughs> people. So there's there's a bit of moral panic going on around this show, I feel like. Because, Is there? Why? What do well, you mean? Just in terms, people are th worrying that it's too sympathetic to this woman and, of course, Netflix had to buy the rights to her story. There is all this kind of questioning about... Is she good? Is she evil? Is she like Robin Hood? Because, you know, she was stealing from the rich. Does it matter if the rich get stolen from? I think it slightly speaks on the whole to the fact that she was able to exploit a certain amount of colossal ignorance on the part of wealthy Americans that, yeah. you know, they just don't know that much about life outside America. And her accent had them completely... I mean, they just did not know where to place her. No, because she is, I think, German... Well, well, Russian born? She was actually <laughs> Russian, but she said she was a German heiress. Julia Garner, who plays Anna Delvey, really tries to do an incredible job with. I don't see how you can criticise an accent that I very much doubt exists in real life no, beyond this woman. Because it has um, US influences, it has European influences. Anna Sorokin, the actual, you know, the woman at the heart of this, the real life one, said, yeah, it dips in and out, but also it, you know, so does mine. Um, who else is in this? Uh, Anna Chomsky, who plays the fictionalised version of of the real-life journalist. Yeah. So she plays a character called Vivian Kent, who is the one writing up this article. And she has to battle her bosses to even get started, doesn't yes, she? Yes, she does. She kind of has to battle everybody to get this story um, because nobody wants to tell it, because nobody wants to admit how ignorant or stupid they were mm. or how easily fooled they were, I think. Um, so it does. everything does feel like an uphill battle, but as soon as... It's kind of like that domino effect. As soon as one person talks, then gradually she manages to inveigle her way into... Anna's society 
anxiety in her life via social. I mean, social media is huge in this story. So this article came out. I remember reading this article when it first came out, the real one by the real journalist, Jessica Pressler. And yeah, why have they messed with her? Why can't it be Jessica Pressler? I guess because, you know, it could get maybe libelous they've got they've got to, it's got to be an element of fiction they say everything in this story is true apart from the bits that are made up which oh, is yes, that's you know, right a clever start, way of getting around yeah, it certainly draws you in and can, can you put your finger on why some shows massively take off on netflix i think this has been their biggest hit since squid game I think because this was a story that drew people in a few years ago and this was around the time of firefest as well what's that you haven't heard of Firefest? Tell me what Firefest is. Your daughters is. will know what Firefest okay. is. So it's um, it was this festival again, totally aimed at rich people. Oh, the scam. Yeah, yeah, the okay. scam. Yeah, um, where yeah, so again, people were buying tickets for a non-existent festival. Yes, right, <laughs> essentially, okay. or they ended up on an island marooned without any water and. <laughs> food. So all these real life characters, all these real life fraudsters all kind of came in contact with one another, which is quite fascinating. So this were, these were stories that really did grip the nation at the time when they were going on. And so then to have this fictionalised account or to have this on TV, of course, is going to remind people this is a story you know, but do you know everything? Here is a 11 part series or whatever it is. Yeah, well, you can easily. I mean, I totally get why people would get sucked into this. It's so long, though. Is Every it too episode long? does not need to be over an hour long. That would be one of my beefs. Oh, that my this goodness. Was, yeah. Make it 40, make it a 40, 40 minutes. Make it a six parter. Snappy entertainment. Yeah. Six parts. I agree. I think both of us, though, would recommend this. It's a seven out of 10 from me. It's difficult to kind of feel any emotion towards this. Well, it, she's, not, she's not someone who invites sympathy or particularly real loathing. No, precisely because she's conning nasty people. Yes. Or nasty rich people. It's like we, yeah. we, you know, we don't really care about rich. A lot of these people got their money money back as well so we're not really they're all quite nasty to her she's nasty back it's this other it's this other world that we love it's like a fish tank you know we love to watch from afar but would we really want to get involved and immersed in that world where everybody's conning and betraying each other and I mean yes they all they do is shop for a living how awful and boring is that and she she has this grand idea um which she talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks about which is to create a safe space for rich people in the art world to oh, it's been one of my dreams. Oh for my this god! To be a I safe mean, space. it's just insane. So the kind of what the whole world that they're talking about is so alien and different. Maybe that's why it's an escapism for the normos like us. Well, thank you for calling me that. That's actually quite... it's the biggest compliment you can give in media that someone is normal. You're right, it is. Um, if you've got a view on Inventing Anna or anything else you've seen on Netflix, podcast at radiotimes.com. Is there just too much stuff? Does some of it just go on far too long? Because with some of these shows, you've got to make a massive commitment mm. to, to getting involved and finishing them if you intend to do that. But Inventing Anna will certainly um, entertain you over the course of a couple of days, there's no doubt about it. Before we get to this week's Correspondence Corner, and thank you for contacting us, the front cover of the Radio Times is in front of me now. Tom Daly is the cover star. He graces this week's cover. And inside there are interviews with Samuel L. Jackson and Rebel Wilson, amongst others. And The Apprentice is featured, uh, including top tips on how you can get through that interview week. Always oh, a tough one, that. The interview week in The Apprentice. Right to the correspondence. You've got Jackie's there in front of you. Yeah, so Jackie says, as a long-time 
longtime Radio Times reader, I'm loving the addition of the podcast, an enjoyable accompaniment to one of my daily walks. Re your assertion that there has never been a protagonist called Hugo, there has. When were we talking about Hugo? Well, I said there'd never been a good protagonist called Hugo because in the Fear Index, which we talked about last oh, week, yes. there's a bit of a well, he's a bit of a shady character, yes. the guy called Hugo. And I, I believe that it's unlikely that there'd be a hero called God. Hugo. But anyway, she's putting us right. Yeah, so the Martin Scorsese film, Hugo, starring a young Asa Butterfield as the eponymous hero. And yeah, absolutely right. She said, Hugo's everywhere will be responding to you. It's a fine name for a protagonist. And I loved Hugo was a really lovely film, was actually. It? Yeah, it was very kind of unusual for Scorsese to make a children's film, but it was absolutely fascinating. I, and Asa Butterfield, who is, of course, a star of Sex Education, this was like his huge breakthrough role. I was just trying to work out why I knew the name, yeah. and it's Sex Education, isn't it? Which is available on Netflix. Hi, Jane and Rihanna says, Andrea, I've just discovered your podcast and I'm really enjoying it. I've lived in Johannesburg for more than 30 years now, but I'm still a big fan of UK telly uh, through Britbox, Netflix and our local stations, we do seem to have access to most of Britain's best shows. But we just sometimes have to wait a bit. Hopefully, she says, not too long for the next and last series of Peaky Blinders, though. Um, I wonder how long it will take for you to get Peaky Blinders. Tell us when you get to see it. Here's something else you might enjoy, Andrea, when it gets to Johannesburg. That is ITV's four-part adaptation of Graham Norton's best-selling debut novel, which is a murder mystery set in a small Irish village. It's been adapted for telly by Dominic Treadwell-Collins and Karen Corgan. And the show really is about skeletons, all sorts of skeletons, coming out of all kinds of closets as the investigation into the murder unfolds. Uh, this will really, really draw you in. Here's a clip. There's a dead body in the neighbour's field. TJ! OK. Uh... Is the body Tommy Burke? Do you know what to do for a murder? Boy Wonder here is in charge. Oh, humiliating. Can you think of anyone who had a reason to want Tommy dead? No? Apart from the woman he left standing at the altar. Tommy seems to have been involved with both women. Oh. I'm watching you. I know you are. She was obsessed. Everyone thinks I killed Tommy. <laughs> who did kill Tommy? Uh, Tommy Burke is the skeleton. Well, they assume it's Tommy Burke. A skeleton's been dug up and much much controversy and chat ensues. Uh, did you like this, Rihanna? Were you well disposed towards it from the start? I really needed this because I watched it just after it's Snow Angels. <laughs> I know, but I just watched Snow Angels where, like I said, everything was devoid of any colour. And then we go into this wonderful, colourful village in West Cork where every single house is painted a different bright colour. It looks like Balamori. It's just, it's a cosy, funny mystery which doesn't have all of the really tense bits that come from a classic murder mystery, I suppose, because the murder happened so long ago. Yeah, we don't want to. I don't want to be too dismissive of it because I think it actually is a brilliant illustration of the some of the claustrophobia of village life, small towns, villages. Yes. And actually, it doesn't just apply in Ireland by any means. It applies to all of us everywhere, doesn't it? It was in a similar category to Magpie Murders, which we reviewed a couple of weeks ago. Not least because it has Conleth Hill starring in it, who was also in Magpie Murders. So in this, he's a policeman. In a, he kind of comfort eats his way through life. I actually found him, I mean, uh, frankly, at times he simply stuffs himself, doesn't he? Yes, he binge eats he to kind of really does. deal with his anxiety. Yeah, he's filled with self-loathing yeah. and also oh God, lives so with it is sad it's sad so I don't want to say this is all 
you know, light-hearted, frippery, froppery. No. Because it isn't. But it's framed in that way. It, it is slightly. He, I mean, we should say that the policeman, the guard, the guardie, lives with um, Mrs Meany, mm. who is a feeder by anybody's uh, <laughs> estimation, <laughs> and is played by Brenda Fricker. And I had not seen Brenda Fricker on telly for a long time. What was she in? She was in, She was the queen of casualty. Oh, okay. And she had a film star as well. So it's good It's good to have her back. I've, I've missed a bit of Brenda. <laughs> Actually, the cast is brilliant because it's also got Siobhan McSweeney from Derry Girls, who plays the, the main nun, um, Charlie McKenna, and also Pauline McGlynn from Father Ted, you know, go on, go on, go on, yes. go on. Um, who, again, really loves seeing her back because she plays that sort of busybody neighbour who loves to call the police on the slightest thing. Yeah, we all know those people. Well, that would be me. Um, <laughs> Um, what is also liberating, in a sense, is that there are a range of characters, a range of body shapes. and Oh, my God, that made such a difference. It really does, it, doesn't it? I found that so refreshing. And you don't realise how, how, how much of that seeps into your consciousness until you see something different. I think that's exactly it. And that's why I felt welcome in this drama, yes. which I think is a real... Well, it shouldn't be, but it feels like a bit of a departure. So more of this, please. Oh, just really um, funny as well. And genuinely, that kind of, it is sweet and it's quaint in its own way. The detail about humanity and the way that people, relationships, people talk to each other in this just feels very, very real. And all of the sort of underlying tensions that people could hold on to for decades and finally have it all kind of come out in this event after this skeleton is dug up is, yeah, I think it's weirdly realistic for something that's about something quite extreme. I think we do also need to say um, that there are some, I was going to say plentiful shots of finely honed... Male torsos. Yes. Oh, yes, there are. That We're just throwing that in. Um, and that feels like perhaps contradictory when we've praised it for the fact that it also has lots of <laughs> body positivity too, because it does. It does. But it's just worth saying that there are some, I was going to, well, I think I will say, lingering shots of finely honed male torsos. Kathy Burke's definitely definitely one for the female gaze, I think. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so, big, big thumbs up from us for Holding, which starts on Monday, the 14th of March, 9 o'clock. Um, and that's on ITV. But if you can't wait and you just want to lose yourself in something, it will be available on the ITV hub as well. Um, let's take a quick look at Top Boy on Netflix from Friday, the 18th of March. Now, this is the great Ashley Walters as Deshane. And here he is in conversation with an account I think we'd all like to hire. I'm uh, assuming you want to be able to spend and enjoy the money you're making. Obviously. I work hard for it. I should be able to spend it, innit? Mm-hmm. And I can help you with that. What was uh, your turnover for the last financial year? Ballpark? Four or five mil. And what's your projected turnover this year? It should be 15, if everything goes right in Morocco. Mm-hmm. What would you say your overheads are likely to be? Well, the biggest overhead is obviously the product. That's two to three mil. Then you've got wages, cars, burners, yards for storage, sweeteners here and there, probably another 500 bags. So, uh, this year you'll be left with 10 million? That sounds about right. Washing 10 million is going to be a challenge. You're not a victim of your own success, Duchesne. 
My accountant's never told me that. Yeah, I'm not sure what business is in. It's not podcasting. Um, it's, drug, the... it's drugs. Oh. <laughs> That's what the whole show's about. I was just kidding. <laughs> uh, OK, so this is series four, the second series on Netflix. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's gone. I mean, you can sense I watched a bit of it on Channel 4 back in the day, but yeah. there's now money involved here. Serious Netflix money. Oh, I see what you mean. Not yeah. just the 15 mil that he's mean, talking about. I mean, well, the, the foreign locations apart from anything else. Yes, that's true. Morocco. So if you don't know anything about Top Boy, it is about the lives of predominantly young male black drug dealers in Hackney, uh, kind of exploring the relationships they have with their rivals, with their families, with women, with the idea that their lives might be cut short at any moment, either at the hands of police or each other. Yeah, life is cheap, isn't it? You get that sense. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, Duchesne, played by Ashley Waters, um, is the central character, but also now Jamie, who is played by Michael Ward from Blue Story. So he's playing Duchesne's rival. This is the Netflix era. And so quite, he was he would have been way too young in the to Channel 4 the because the original yeah. one's about nine, ten years old now. He is a nuanced character in the sense that he, he is certainly uh, involved in criminal activity, but mm. he's also a good and dutiful carer for his family. Yeah, so he's actually been in prison awaiting the results of a trial and his younger brothers have been getting on well without him, um, which kind of leads to tensions because he thinks he thinks of himself as the paternal figure, yeah. even though he's he's barely... He doesn't look much older than 21 yeah, or 2. exactly. Yeah. There are female characters in it though, aren't there? Yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised to see Little Sims in this, who is a brilliant rapper, singer, and she plays Duchesne's girlfriend, Shelley, who has her own nail salon. Um, and I'm really interested to see what is going to happen with her character because it's, I suppose it's less drugs orientated at the moment, but I'm really like, there are hints of something awful to come. But also Kane is in this, um, he's been in this for a long time, so you you have these huge rappers. Ashley Waters was, of course, Asher D in So Solid. Drake was actually at the helm of bringing this back with Netflix. He was such a huge fan of the first two series. Um, and when he asked where the rest of the series were and was told that it was cancelled, he was like, well, let's see what we can do about that. And he helped to get Netflix on board. Right. And uh, I think it's really telling, actually, that this was written for, I suppose, a fairly niche same fairly niche audience, or at least that's what they thought. But the popularity of this has grown and grown. And it just shows that desperation and that need for seeing people that look like you on screen and having something that is realistic and not preachy at all. You know, we're, we're, t- we're brought into this world where right and wrong and laws are completely different from what we might know, for example. But because we're so immersed in that world, we take on their morals while we're watching. So it's not like we're constantly judging all of these characters for everything they do, which in our, you know, arm's length, middle class world will be very different. Can you just join in now for this series or would you need to have some of the backstory in your head? I think you could if you really wanted to, but I don't really know why you would want to, because when you have, you don't need to even see maybe all four seasons because there was such a long gap between seasons two and three, they almost restarted with a new generation being introduced to the old generation with series three. So I would go back and watch series three and series four. But if you do want to go back to the beginning, Top Boy Summer House is on Netflix as well. Right, got you. Thank you very much for that. Um, High time we went to the world's most exciting quiz based on clues from the world of television. (laughs) It's me in the seat that I suppose we will call hot. 
Um, what have you got for me this week? You give me some clues from TV history. I name the year. And you can tell this is actually, um, you know, all completely above board because sometimes I get it right. <laughs> I've never got it right. No, I know you haven't. <laughs> all right. And because there is literally no expense spared on this podcast, let's go again with the fanfare. Here it is, staggering into your life once more. That was our favourite fanfare. Do write in and complain about it. So, Or send us another one. <laughs> your first clue is the legendary journalist... John Craven, who had presented Newsround since 1972, signed off for his very last episode of Newsround in this year. Here's a clip. And finally, this is the last time I'll be saying, and finally. And there's no funny story today because for me, this is a rather sad moment. I've come to the end of my very last Newsround. I've had a great time over the last 17 years bringing you the news at five o'clock and I'd like to thank everybody behind the scenes who's helped me do it. And I hope you look out for me on other programmes in the future. Newsround will be back again on Monday. But from me, bye-bye. Do you know what? I have so many memories of coming back from school and watching John Craven. And it's hard to think of this now, but when it first started, it was considered to be really, really oh, revolutionary. Yeah. yeah, Because a, a genuine effort had to be made to explain some very complicated stories. Mm. And actually, I've been listening to over the news over the last couple of weeks and, and Newsround is still going and still trying to explain some really mm. difficult stories. And at the moment, as you can imagine, that's really challenging. So I don't know whether it was John Craven's idea, but if it was, it was a great idea. Yeah, so fair play to him. Um, your second clue is the first ever series of Biker Grove right, yeah. starring Anton Deck as PJ and Duncan aired in this year. Here's a clip. So we're going for chips in. If you like. Having a pie. If you like. I might have a tarantula in butter. What do you think? Uh, Been like this all day. What's the matter? Nothing. It's you and Debbie, isn't it? You've had a fight, haven't you? No, it's nothing like that. It's just, well, I think I might have let her down. Why? What have you done? I can't tell you, man, don't I? But does Debbie know? No. So what's the problem? I'm afraid this doesn't resonate with me quite as much as John Craven. <laughs> so that's that's not helping. Have you okay. got another clue? I've got one more. Yugoslavia's Riva won the Eurovision Song Contest with Rock Me. Good old Riva. Well, a good old Yugoslavia, uh, which existed then, but obviously didn't for that much longer. Yeah. I don't. Uh, so, um, so that's quite a good clue in itself. Do you need another? I'm going to have a go at this. Okay. 1989. Oh, for God's sake! Is that right? Yes, it's right. Why don't you just share in my? <laughs> you should be proud and really impressed that you get to work with someone who is so old that she can remember 1989. But I wanted to give you the clue that John Cleese won a libel case after the Daily Mirror described him as having become like his character Basil Fawlty in Fawlty Tower. He won a libel case. <laughs> it's my shriek of indignation. Okay. Well, isn't life grand? Oh, oh dear. Thank you very much. 1989, the year good. I was born. So that's why none of this resonates with me. 
Right, I think it's time we ended. Um, th- thank you after a fashion for joining me for this week's Radio Times podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. And let's face it, at the moment, I think we all need to get stuck in some good telly. So I hope we've given you some tips yes, this week. Yes, I think we had a really good week, actually. Yeah, if you'd like a breakdown of the listings of the programmes we've talked about, then make sure you look at the episode notes wherever you get your podcast. Follow and join us every week at the Radio Times podcast. And you know the rest of it is produced by... Something else. For... Immediate Media. Yeah, take care. Bye.